Hello, and welcome to Alex Listens, a podcast about philosophy and politics and race and mental health. In today's episode, I did this cool thing where I got you to ask me questions, philosophy questions, and then I tried to answer them. Thanks to everyone who submitted questions. Um, I'm sorry if I didn't get around to to answering your question, but hopefully I can do so in the next episode of Alex Answers. Um, If you'd like to submit a philosophy question for me to answer, you can do so via uh, Instagram. Um, You can also send me an email or um, I think those are probably the two best ways to get in touch. Um, Also, this episode I filmed and will be on YouTube for you to watch as well. So if you'd prefer to watch it, know that you can watch it on YouTube. And I'll put a link to the YouTube video in the bio of the podcast episode. So before I get around to answering some cool philosophy questions, just the uh, two quick things to mention. Um, if you're enjoying Alex Listens, you can support it and you can do so in a number of different ways. Uh, the first way is via Patreon. Um, it's very easy to use. You click a button and then essentially you'll be buying me something like a tea once a month and it will help me afford to keep running the podcast, making more stuff, working on projects and so on. The second way is through PayPal and it's quick and easy. Um, and the second thing I wanted to mention is that I'm running a philosophy class, a beginner's philosophy class. So if you're in Melbourne or if you're elsewhere in the world and want to learn about philosophy, um, you should think about doing my class. It's pay what you can afford. It goes for six weeks. We'll cover six exciting, interesting, difficult, and fun topics. Um, and if you're in Melbourne, there's an in-person class. Well, there are two in-person classes. And if you're not in Melbourne, there'll be one online class. Um, and if you'd like to enroll in the course, um, you can find an enrollment link on my website, www.alex.co slash course. Uh, otherwise, you know, send me a message on social media, on Instagram, if you've got any questions. And all, you know, always there'll be links in the bio for everything. Um, Thanks so much and enjoy the episode. Question one, how is Instagram a tool for meaningful change? And if it's not, should we all log off right now? The best place to begin would be by trying to define meaningful change. And I think there are two ways that we can understand meaningful change. The first way is by trying to locate change in outcome, in the outcome of a person's act or behavior or uh, kind of attitude or uh, this, this thing. So in it's outcome focused. And the second way that we can understand change is by looking at the attitude itself um, and not being concerned with the outcome. And so, Instagram and I guess social media in general will make it difficult for us to know what people's attitudes actually are because it's very easy to kind of build an online persona, build an online identity um, and have people interpret that for who you are and for who for what you stand for um, and this kind of thing. So I think meaningful change um on social media is going to be very hard to kind of gauge in terms of what people's attitudes actually are. 
um, I guess over the past few years, there's been this thing that's been thrown around called virtue signaling. Um, and I guess one, very briefly, virtue signaling is the idea that, you know, someone is kind of only saying that they believe in something or they care about something because they want to kind of pledge allegiance to a particular group and fit in, um, rather than it being something that they necessarily care about or believe in. So this is the sense in which Instagram isn't going to be the best platform for kind of promoting meaningful change for the actual people who are signaling that they care about certain things. Because I guess there's very little accountability. Um, You can kind of signal that you have undergone meaningful change. Let's say you repost something about a particular political event. Um, you, you make a post about it or you kind of share it on your story. And I guess it's very hard to tell what this actually means. Um, if, you're, if you're trying to answer the question of what this means in terms of someone's attitude. Um, I think this is, this is a very important question to think about. Uh, because I think it reveals a really big kind of deficit in the capacity of social media to reveal who people actually are. Um, and this kind of opens a quite a dark and slippery slope for thinking about, you know, how people are uh, inauthentic on social media and how people can be, you know, can kind of operate behind some kind of mask. Um and I think, I think that, you know, many people are trying to reproduce authentic versions on, of themselves on social media in the form of, you know, photos and text. But I guess there's only so far that you can go with, there's only so much of yourself that you can kind of uh, pronounce to the world through photo and text. Um, so I think this is where, you know, there's some helpful ethics and some helpful moral philosophy that comes in, because I think it's up to each person to kind of decide whether they are going to judge meaningful change from the perspective of what people's attitudes are, or whether they are going to try and understand it from the perspective of what the outcome of people's behavior is. Um, now you'll see on my bookshelf, this book here and this book here, and you probably can't see who the author is, but the author is a philosopher called Peter Singer. And Peter Singer is a consequentialist. And I guess uh, what consequentialism is, um, it's a philosophy, a kind of ethical attitude that focuses on the outcome of, uh, on the consequence of actions. And so, if you're a consequentialist, if you're concerned with the consequences of someone's acts, um, meaningful change for you on Instagram probably isn't going to be concerned with how authentic people are or how much they actually believe in the cause they're getting behind. Um, And if you're a consequentialist, you're probably not going to care too much about virtue signaling if, you know, what is being signaled um, is kind of producing some outcome that you want. For example, if a bunch of people share posts about Oxfam and everyone starts to give money to Oxfam, you know, the consequentialist isn't going to care what people's attitude towards Oxfam or charity is. 
they're just going to be concerned with the consequences of giving to charity, which is that it's going to manifest in, you know, minimizing suffering, making certain surgeries available and this kind of stuff. Um, so I think that's how I would think about the question of meaningful change on Instagram. So I guess to kind of summarize all of that, uh, yes, I think meaningful change is possible on Instagram. Um, and I think I probably hold some kind of hybrid view about Instagram, which is something like there are some instances where, um, you know, the people's attitude is going to be very important. And then there are other instances where it's the consequences of the act or the thing that's being shared or the thing that's being discussed um, that is going to be important. Um, But I think ultimately both are very important. And I think that, that this having, trying to hold both sides at the same time trying to believe that attitude is important and consequence is important isn't something that's going to be very popular in philosophy. Um, Most philosophers seem to be kind of on one side or the other. Um, And then there's the second part of the question, which is, if it's not possible, should we all log off social media right now? So I think, I think it is possible but let's entertain the question of whether or not we should log off social media right now. I think that one thing that many people, including myself, don't have the most um, profound awareness of uh, all the time is that we have become, um, that our mode of socializing has changed really dramatically. And I guess a lot of the interactions we have with people are now cyber and they're online. And so I think that in trying to evaluate whether or not you should take a break or kind of fully log off social media, um, you know, one thing that's very important to consider is the way that that act is going to impact your social life um, and whether or not you're going to be able to... uh, I guess, have the same kind of social exposure and social connection in real life. Um, And that might sound like quite a strange thing because, you know, I imagine the preference is for many people to kind of socialize in real life. But it seems like there's been a huge cultural shift. um, And the shift has been so powerful that, like, it feels... Uh, it feels as though there is like a, and especially after having been kind of, you know, in lockdown for such a long time, it feels like there is some kind of, there is a higher, at least for me, it feels like there is a higher threshold for kind of socializing in the real world versus socializing online on social media. Um, I guess, you know, I probably need to define what I mean by socializing, but I guess you know, I don't really spend a whole heap of time messaging people on my phone or on Instagram or whatever. Um, but I think I like, you know, I scroll through my feed often and, you know, I don't, there are lots of things I don't like about scrolling through my feed, but there are parts of it that I do like. And I guess that's the kind of the exposure to where people I'm 
I care about the exposure, you know, I get some kind of insight into their lives. Um, but, you know, I think my preference ultimately is to hang out with them in real life. Um, so logging off, I guess, comes with pros and cons. Um, if you're going to, you know, kind of be seeing people in real life, log off. Great. Um, I've done it before, but I don't think I actually filled my time while I was offline with socializing particularly actively. And I think that if I was to go offline again, I would want to kind of reconsider, you know, how I was spending my time. Um, And then I guess, you know, there's a deeper element to the second question. So if we can't have meaningful change on social media, should we log off? Um, I guess one, one kind of implicit part of that question is, will meaningful change come from uh, platforms or mediums or modes of existing that aren't social media, um, you know, kind of non-online forms of uh, change. And I think, I think that it would be, it would be difficult to kind of participate in the world um, and to mobilize groups of people and to kind of spread one's message without social media today. Um, And I guess being someone born, you know, in the very late 20th century um, and kind of being raised with technology, (laughs) I don't have a very good insight into how things were beforehand. Um, I don't really know how big groups of people were mobilized. Um, I imagine it was, you know, kind of, there was a, a much greater culture of physical togetherness and kind of word of mouth communication and, um, gatherings. Um, and I guess, unless that's happening, unless that's one of the ways that you're pursuing meaningful change offline, um, then, yeah, I think, I think that, you know, you'd be undermining one of the most important parts of social media, which is the kind of community that you can foster. Uh, I think that's all I'll say about the first question. And the second question is, this is a classic, classic philosophy question. Um, What is the purpose of our life? So, I'm pausing because there are, there's a way that this question that can be answered that is really kind of deflating and uh, kind of boring. And that's by saying it's subjective, it's up to you. Um, and there's part of me that kind of wants to say it and to leave it there. But I guess I've spent a lot of time studying the views of existential philosophers um, and they have various views about what constitutes purpose and meaning and this kind of thing. Um, And without kind of boring you um, with the, you know, the details of their views, it seems like one thing that's very important for existential philosophy, for existentialists, 
is this idea of being free and kind of having a a um a firm awareness of the fact that you know we can kind of we can be free whatever that means um and so i guess it's probably worth spending some time on the question of what it means to be free because i think this is going to tie in with the question of what our purpose is in life um so i think i think if let's say uh someone asks me <laughs> as you have what is the purpose of my life i'll probably say the purpose of your life is to identify is to like pay pretty close attention to many of the experiences you have or at least to reflect on things that you've done in the past and try and put together pieces of your experience to figure out what you care about um and obviously i'm not saying anything new here uh but i think that this is an incredibly difficult thing to do and i think i think that's why even me someone who's spent so much time thinking about you know what is an existential crisis what is our purpose what is our duty this kind of thing um i keep returning to this question and i think it's because it isn't a question that has a static answer it's not as if you can just say there is one purpose in my life and that is to be free um i think that in answering the question of what our purpose is it requires a kind of constant or semi-constant checking in with you know am i doing stuff that i actually want to be doing um is there any way if i'm not doing stuff that i want to be doing is there any way that i can change my circumstances um you know what what do i what do i draw meaning from uh you know let's say i like playing guitar um why don't i play more guitar um if i like to draw why don't i draw um and what's puzzling about the kind of question of purpose and what constitutes purpose is that i don't know if this is a kind of universal phenomenon but i often feel like i have a very good awareness of what is what is good for me and what kind of makes me feel like my life is going well um and what makes me feel like my life is purposeful and what's really curious is that i often don't do the things that i suspect are contributing to my life feeling purposeful so let me give you an example um this video is an example um i think that kind of you know making a podcast working on videos uh thinking about philosophy writing about philosophy reading philosophy these are all things that give me great kind of feelings of being uh connected and feeling like my life has meaning and purpose but i for some reason they're not a priority um or they are a priority but they don't kind of i don't make time for them every day um but i want to i always want to but for some reason like and this is probably this probably just comes down to time management but i wonder whether this is a shared feeling that people have you know they have an awareness of what their passions are and what they care about but 
um, you know, it's very, it's very difficult to actually do that stuff. It's not as if kind of identifying what you care about or identifying what makes you feel like you have purpose. It's not as if those things actually have a very strong impact on how you spend your time. And this is, this is a big problem for me personally. Um, not being able to kind of reconcile those two forces, the force that says, this is what's important. And then the force that says, this is how I should spend my time, or this is how I am spending my time. I don't feel like there's enough of an overlap between them. And so I think, thanks for asking this question, because I think it's, you know, again, reminded me that I need to, I want to pay more close attention to what I'm doing with my time, because, you know, Um, one thing that I'm very glad is spoken about more today in 2021 is mental health. And one of the main contributors to the kind of my experiences of well-being is being able to, is actually doing things that I care about. And so my answer for you, when you say, what is the purpose of my life? One, at least one component of answering that question is evaluating what you care about and making time to do those things. Because um, I guess it's one, it's, one, it's one thing to know what you care about, but it's another thing to kind of pursue it. Um, I'll leave it there. Thanks for listening. And I hope you enjoyed this first episode of Alex Answers. If you'd like to submit a question, please either send it to me via email, contact at alex.co, or um, send me a message on Instagram. Um, at Alex Listens. Those are the two best places to contact me. Otherwise, have a lovely day and I will see you in the next episode of Alex Listens. Thanks. Bye.